Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen. The rumors are true. We're back for one more episode here at 39 Drunk Disorderlies. The Basement Files, the Pandemic Editions, you know. Uh, it's an interesting new format we have here, sitting around on Zoom interviewing each other. We have guests and people from all over the place tuning in and watching and loving and enjoying us. Obviously, I'm not sitting in this basement alone, although technically I am. I mean, I'm distancing myself, right? But uh, I got my co-host with me, as always. So I'm going to toss it down to Trev, Trev Ketchison down here. And he can tell us what's going on in his life and introduce himself and, you know, hey, what's up? Yeah, you say down because uh, I'm probably lowering your screen, right? I'm down in the corner down here. That's right. That's right. Or and is that also just because if you I'm look... tossing anything to you, would be down. That's just what it'd I do. It'd be down because that, that's what you do is you toss things downward. Uh, that's what it's like hanging out with Big Bob. You, you look up and be prepared for things to come down. Uh, we're ever inching closer to that special 39 number. We're in the mid-30s now, and anyone who's been there knows it's a fun time. And so we're having a good time. Uh, and I'm having a great time with this new format. And um, we got a great guest on, plus Bob. So we're having a, a good lineup for the show today. And then we're going to introduce, the last but not least, the trifecta to this triangular formation, the laughing Viking star himself, Large. Hey, buddy. <laughs> here I am. Yes, I'm uh, coming to you live from Laughing Vikings headquarters here, my bunker of solitude, uh, as it were. And uh, I'm also pumped. Last week's show was amazing with Marito Lopez. If you listen to that, episode 33 with No Champagne Poppy. Uh, his stories were amazing. He's so funny. Talked about his sobriety uh, and the crazy parties and crazy drunken disorderly times Marito's had. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, hit us up on Instagram at 39DDShow. You can find us on Facebook as well. You can watch the episodes on YouTube. And of course, if you're listening, you can listen on any podcast platform. Um, but uh, do all that. Happy Easter to you guys, too, for those who are celebrating. Happy Easter! Happy Easter! I yeah. love how our shows, that because, because as our audience knows, we typically record on a Monday. And so all, all, a lot of our shows end up being thematic. Like it's whatever that holiday that landed on that weekend, we get to celebrate on the Monday. It's great. So Yeah, right. that's fantastic. It's like if you had a birthday on a Friday and then the next day was the show on the Monday, you'd be like, yeah, it's my birthday. What are you talking about? You know, like fuck dates. And Calendars don't matter. Because it's often uh, a drinking and booze and partying related podcast, it seems it's sort of like uh, the day after NFL breakdown, like the games are on Sunday, games are on the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and then you have the, all the chat and the, uh, the commentators on Monday. So this with is a, with, a, with a Monday morning quarterback, Jesse Palmer, <laughs> right? Picking up the pieces, looking at your receipts, trying to figure out what happened on Saturday and Sunday. I truly, I truly hope that we are at least more entertaining than football commentators. Because that can be summed up with football, America, Jesus. If you've ever watched like the Monday summary of football, that's exactly what it is. It's like they went for that big win, they crushed, they moved 100 yards. Football, America, Jesus. <laughs> the, the, well, they're crushing it in viewership numbers. So I think we should, uh, we should tag all of our videos now with the keywords football, America, Jesus. Right. Yeah, I was just going to say. I'm down. 
Bob, you said uh, you were like, I, I think, I hope we're more entertaining. I'm like, I don't know. Their ratings are fucking crushing ours right now. <laughs> yeah. Right now? Even right now? They're ready? Of course yeah, they're even right now. Right Probably. Now, come on. Yeah. There's no games. I mean, there wouldn't be games happening anyway in the NFL, but I'm sure people will be watching like the draft or something right now instead. There's the combine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Slo- Slo- Slovakian third league soccer and stuff being bet on. No, it's fantastic, dude. Like, I read an article today about even how even how the underground, like the gangsters, are struggling in the economic crisis. Right? Think about it. No sports down books. Effect. Yeah. Well, there's no sports books. The bars are all shut down, so the gambling houses are pretty much closed. People can't go and play even at the racetrack. There's nothing going on. All the plastic rackets are dead. What's a guy got to do to break some legs around here, huh? <laughs> a friend of mine's uh, boyfriend is a he's a cop and apparently they're sort of being asked to work from home to be on call but crime is way down as a result oh, I heard accidents, about that. accidents are way down people aren't out smashing into stuff apparently, apparently one of the only things that's up is um is uh yeah so, someone just topped in here some apparently all the gangsters are doing is selling tons of drugs and actually they are only if they deliver and that's a risky business <laughs> that's a risky business because then you're driving around the streets with product in your fucking car and that's a good way to have way too much product in one spot when you get busted mm, just right. the, the food for thought ladies and gentlemen do you think the gangs so are paying years? their drug dealers danger pay because they have to go to the front lines go from go from misdemeanor possession to intent to traffic well, of course, right. they've always delivered. The difference is now they're the only ones driving around. Yeah. Hey, you, only car on the road. I, um... A bunch of suspicious-looking guys in it. I wonder what you're up to. Last week, I got some... Uh, I re-upped some weed from Honeypot, and Honeypot is no longer having people in the store. You got to order online during mobile. They call you to confirm payment, and you show up and social distance on the sidewalk until they call your name. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, one of my buddies came to meet me, and um, he basically had like hand sanitizer in his car. He's like, "Could you sit in the back, please?" Like it was like it was like being in a strange cab, except it was my buddy. Now, don't get me wrong, I hundred percent respect him for it. Like that's genius. He had like wipes and like hand sanitizer and was wearing a mask and stuff, which I you know makes me feel better about the whole deal. But still, I it's one of those things. I mean, you got to consider that, and some people fucking don't. Another victim of this whole crisis is the rub and tug industry. They cannot. I'm sure that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, reach out and touch someone is at an all time low. Or were they always <laughs> using rubber gloves? Who knows? Maybe they were using masks and rubber gloves. Rubber gloves is not social distancing in a rub and tug, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, a glove does not go nearly far enough. Not nearly far enough. Just, you ever, just, have you ever been to one of these lovely establishments? Uh, one time in university at 4 a.m., I regret it, and we never got in. They sort of accepted us, and they took our So cues. the answer is no. The answer is no, yes. Okay. Well, you tried, but... We tried, and then they asked us, they were like, oh, there's a bit of a queue. Can you wait in the hallway? And we waited and waited for an hour, and then they, like, started to leave, and we were still sitting there. They had forgotten about us. They had, like, wrote, written us down into, like, the, I don't know, the, the, maybe, sched- like the schedule. A- but it was like we were all you're in, the le- you're in the ledger you're in the ledger but you didn't get your hedger yeah and then they walk <laughs> out and they're like oh you guys are still here 
And we're like, yeah, we're here. We've been waiting. And then we just all went home disappointed. But it was probably for the best. That's a lot worse than that's a lot worse than not getting picked for tag or something. It's like, well, we would have given you hand jobs for money, but you guys aren't that cool. So just stand in the hallway until we forget about you. You know what I mean? Like it was a blessing. Uh, we should shout out. Uh, we got uh, James to be in the house. James, we'll bring you on later. You can keep yourself muted and you can keep the uh, the camera off. But I heard a little birdie told me James to be uh, who, if you don't know him, Tubinator is a regular at our live tapings. Uh, helps out with some of the behind the scenes things. Often helps out with sound. Um, and uh, I think I heard it's his 50th birthday this week. So maybe we oh. raise one up for Tubinator's 50th birthday. Welcome, Jim. Welcome, welcome. Hey, hey, buddy. Yes. Good to see you, man. Good. good to be seen by you. Glad you get right. the link, my friend. So, you know, as we know, this is sort of a guest interview and on-on show. So we, we, we have a wonderful guest tonight. Yeah, it's not just the three of us. Like, we've really stepped up our game here, folks. If you've tracked us since... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Now we actually have now we have friends. Yeah. So if you were sick of us after the first thirty-two episodes, and you're just like, ah, how many stories can this giant tell about being super fucked up? The answer is unlimited. He has way more to tell you. But we're spicing it up. We bring some guests on now to tell their drunken, disorderly stories, and uh, also share the show with their audience, and we share them with our audience some cross-pollination collabing happening and uh, just keep things fresh. And then we d dissect and discuss their stories and share commonalities and have a good old time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so Lars, who, who's, our, who's our guest this week? All right, I'll introduce them. Uh, our first guest is a national headlining stand-up comedian and actor. I have had the good pleasure of knowing him for 10 years, 10 years now, I think, 10-ish. Uh, we started in London, Ontario. We both went to Western, both started doing stand-up there. And uh, like I said, he's toured across the country. I'm great friends. Give it up. We're gonna bring him on camera here. Ladies and gentlemen, the huge 39 drunken disorderlies. Uh, welcome, I'm gonna give him uh, the video here. Oh, James Tooby hopped on. Uh, give it up for Al Val, everybody. Uh, Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang. What's up? What's hey, happening, hey. boys? How are we? Lars, is that pepperoni pizza hoodie? Yes. Uh, Fuck yeah, man. If you were wondering, it's not delivery. It's Delarcio. <laughs> oh. okay. people, people have been shot for better puns than that, okay? Well, lucky for me that there's social distancing because no one's getting close enough to shoot me. Look, man, my loyalties remain with Lars. I applaud your, your humor. I applaud that one. That's right. great. I think I got it off Wish for like 20 bucks. That's sick, man. Straight from China. I think it was made in Wuhan. Yeah. Although, a shout I, out to uh, Little Caesars there. Yeah. I love how, uh, by the way, Bob, you're, I don't know if you're, you're broadcasting on an iPhone or what, but your sunglasses make your computer screen look as small as a, as a pop cam. Like, I, don't, uh, I can't it tell. It's actually a phone that I'm, yeah, so I'm looking into a is phone, it? which is great. Man. It adds to the giant factor, doesn't it? Everything yeah. I do here, these books, these books in the shelf, they're actually like this big and they're really close to me. You know what I mean? Like here, I'll, let me, I'll pick one up for you. 
I had no frame of reference. I was like, how big is fucking Bob that he could crush his laptop with a, with a single hand? I mean, it's 6'11", 400 that pounds. So that, that big. That's Jesus. Pretty big. Do we have cool. anything that we can uh, ratio on, this, on the screen here? Like, is there any way that we can? I don't know. Stand up yeah. on the door behind you. Show us your we dick. Can, we can sit. That might be our highest rated episode, Alex. <laughs> That's a big man right there. Oh, God, man. That's got to be so inconvenient. It to, can be. To give you some context of his size, Al, Trev and I first met Big Bob when he was playing Andre the Giant's character, Fezzik, in a live version of Princess Bride. So, <laughs> cool. <right. laughs> that's that's rad, was, man. It was, the most, it was the most epic case of, of typecasting the world's ever seen, and I loved it. I showed up to the audition, walked in, and one guy literally went, fuck, and just threw his script down on the table. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, the same part, right? And they weren't sure I was coming. I was sort of a last edition. The producer kind of called my work. It was a weird thing. I'd never done anything like it before. And I showed up there. And literally, I walked in the door. And I'm like, I've heard an audition for it. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we know. And one guy was like, ah, fuck. And just threw his script on the table. And was like, this is over. You know what I mean? It's like, there's a giant here now. Like, who are they going to hire? Awesome. Like, hmm, six foot two, six foot yeah. three. Seven foot. I guess we got the guy. You know? <laughs> yeah. And the right guy that the left door, was man. probably like he was probably like six six two eighty, and he was thinking yeah. he was a big guy. And then he looked yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But was, that was exactly it. It was a pretty big dude. But he was like, no. And I'd shaved my beard, so I looked exactly. I mean, I had the same the same like sideburns. Pretty genius, right? I sort of walked in, and like I said, the guy was just defeated. It's like it's like an instant kill, you know? Like get extra three hundred points, like sniper, you know? He's just like, yeah, no, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so to fill you in, Al, uh, some of our listeners may know this, but it's a good refresher, especially for any new listeners. Trev and I meet him in this, we meet Bob in this production, but then in hanging out with him and, and drinking after shows or smoking a joint before or after rehearsals, and well, usually after rehearsals, not so much before, but uh, <laughs> he just started telling us these crazy stories and we're just fascinated by him. And then he tells us in one of his stories, he used the term 39 drunken disorderlies. He found out uh, when he was younger that he had had, he'd been cited 39 times. And Trev and I are like, oh, 39 drunken disorderlies. That sounds like the name of a movie. Yeah. And we're like, well, we're, we're never going to be able to fit 39 stories in one movie. This needs to be a TV series. So we're like, great, let's make this into a TV series. Problem, we don't have any money. What can we do in the meantime? Let's make it into a podcast storytelling. Yes, we can. And so this is, we're flushing out all of his crazy stories. And then in, at the same time, developing it into it, a script, into a scripted series, a sort of dark comedy series, reenacting some of these tales and, and embellishing them obviously for TV. And uh, now we want to bring guests into that to share your stories. And I know that you and I have had many a drunken nights, both in Toronto, in London, yeah, man. Road as comedians. Uh, and I know you've had um, an interesting relationship with alcohol over the years too. So we're yeah. <laughs> interesting. So, so here's the thing: I think all the happy, lovely people at home um, just want to know just a little bit about you first. So let's let's ask those like obvious obvious questions. So where'd you grow up? Uh, Whitby, Ontario. Whitby. Oh man, yeah. I, I have some friends in Whitby. I've been through there a few yeah, times. That's, that's an yeah. interesting truck stop on the roadway to hell. Yeah, right beside Oshawa. But it's like Whippy is white picket fence to Oshawa's crack needle, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's it's the it's the penitent cream to the ass pimple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crack spoon, I should say. <laughs> yeah, with these face acne, young thirteen-year-old prepubescent, and then, and then you know, Oshawa is like a pimple right on right on the the edge of your asshole. So every time you poo, <laughs> you feel it. Tobin Shep. <laughs> Tobin Shep. It's okay. Uh, it's in okay. The you can swear on this show. We're we're live on the internet. They can't censor us anymore. We yeah. just had an audience comment. He said, I'm sure you've shit heard this before. He said, shit be. Yeah, shit be. I've heard white be. It's a really predominantly white town. So white yeah. be. White, yeah, yeah white by. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you grew up in Whitby. You ended up coming to Toronto to, to do what? To go to school, to become a comedian? I mean, what was your, what, were your, what, what brought you to this big, glorious sphincter of a town that we live in? Uh, sphincter is a good choice of words. I like that we're all fixated on that one thing. Yeah, I can't help it, man. This town is—it's a piece of shit, but I love it. You hate Toronto? I love Toronto. No, no, I, I said I love it. It's my favorite town. I wouldn't live anywhere else if I could help it. But at the same time, it is such a turd. Like it's just an amazing town. <laughs> Why do you say that? Why do you say it's a turd? I mean, yeah. you, you you frequent areas that I don't, because from in my head, I think Toronto's world class, beautiful culture. Well, yeah. Okay. You, you may think all of those things. Take a walk. I mean, like, Toronto's sort of that. It's also full of garbage, full of lunatics, full of disease, full of all kinds. It's just, right. it's all the things you'd expect from a major metropolis with all of the faux niceties of, of, of Canada sort of stamped onto it, right? Uh, like, we're going to pretend... All the gyming, that, so the, yeah, maybe yeah, well, we're super clean, we're super friendly, we're super this. Like, take the bus. You're not going to see super a lot of clean, crazy super people. fucking friendly. You're really not. You're just yeah. not. That's a good point. Right. You know, and, yeah. and it's not, that's not because I think people are inherently shitty, but you have a fucking humongous population of dispirited people with nobody, nothing in common, really, sort of forced to live within five feet of each other. You're not going to see a whole lot of fucking brevity. That's just not the way it works. Yeah, there's not too much in, like, not too much un unite, like, um, all these, like, uh, classifications of a population, right? It's like everyone's Especially when our sports teams aren't playing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can't even say, "Yeah, well, what about that local sports team?" You don't even got that fucking cliche to fall back on. Yeah. Well, I but moved I to think, Toronto. I think, like because... I was born here, right? I was born here in Toronto, so I, I judge the city with a loving heart because, again, it's my hometown. Yeah. You know, Scarborough General grew up in the city my entire life, lived downtown forever and ever and ever. I'm now in the suburbs again. I'm back in Scarborough. Yeah. So only, I'm, only if you were born and raised here can you talk shit about it, really. <laughs> No, I think anyone can talk shit about the differences. I have yeah. a perspective on what that shit is. I think Toronto's best described as a million small towns jammed into one, you know, locked old refrigerator. You know what I mean? The ones you can't open from the inside because there's no. I mean, the, the road, the road infrastructure would support that. So yeah. So tell us how you got here, Al. I uh, graduated from Western, and apparently, I moved here because someone lied to me. And I thought it was a much better town than it actually is. You know what? You're dropping all these truth bombs on me, and I'm never going to be the same, Bob. So thanks a lot, and fuck you, man. I can't go to the no-frills and smile at the same cashier anymore. I'm going to be like, what are we doing here, Greta? What the fuck? We'll be like, had the episode with Al Valgo. It went great. He lasted 10 minutes, and then he moved. After. Yeah, we broke his spirits, <laughs> and he moved to Oshawa. 
I was going to say, welcome to our episode one of meeting Bob. It's like, well, changed my life from the view forever. Thanks. Yeah. Hard, the hard truths. One, one common thing you and I have, Al, is that we both went to Western and I don't know about you, but I, I bear, I didn't really drink too much in high school, a little bit in summer of grade 12, but I was mostly sports and academics. So I didn't really go down that path for whatever reason. I kind of stayed straight and narrow. But then when I went to Western, by like week one, I was like, oh, this is life. We binge drink every, like, if not every day, at minimum Thursday, Friday, Saturday of every right. week. Right, yeah. So I learned, probably like you, I learned to drink at Keggers and Raves and Richmond Row, downtown London. Uh, I don't know if that was the same for you. Um, yeah, high school, I was pretty tame. For the first few years of university, I was pretty tame too because I never did the res thing. I was never on a, in a residence. I was off campus. And so, like, I wasn't as immersed in that drinking culture as much as everybody else was. But then, you know, slowly over time, like, I still lived close enough to campus that I still went to a whole bunch of keggers and shit like that. It would probably be, like, once or twice a weekend I would get wrecked, and that was kind of it. And then when I moved to Toronto, it was, I moved to Toronto to do, uh, to do stand-up, pretty much, to pursue comedy. And then uh, just the stress of it got me drinking a lot more. I, I, was, I left Western a big fish in a little pond, and I, I couldn't take the blow to my ego when I got here. It was just mm. devastating. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Someone, I'm not sure who it was, but last week we were chatting with our, our previous guest, um, Rito. Someone pointed out that I've, I've done things almost in reverse. I hit rock bottom right away. Mm -hmm. Like, had the worst, most intense alcoholic moments of my life between 18 and 28. Like, just absolutely, I mean, starting at 18, like, just free fall towards bottom. Right. And have been actually slowly climbing out of that since. So, unlike people who have their, you know, the stress hit them. And then the drinking began. Mm -hmm. I sort of went the other road. Got hit with one major life catastrophe. I had like the worst year in history. Like my mom, my mom was was died that year, and I got hit by a truck and was crippled. Jesus. Couldn't work, couldn't do anything, and got a big settlement. A bunch of other things happened at the time. I'd moved out. All this stuff it all happened when I was 18 at the same time. And I just the only way to survive without I guess self-harm basically I couldn't live in a normal world so I started just binge drinking and binge dr doing drugs of any kind of anything I get my hands on specifically hallucinogens and and, and mind-altering drugs I wanted to not be me as much as possible and just rode that the opposite direction so now when I talk to people about drinking and doing drugs I can't talk about you know falling off the wagon because it's like no I even my worst days today are nothing like falling off the wagon, right? right? So I remember all kinds of events in this blurry retrospective of almost like a, a pseudo history of myself, both told by other people and told by myself. And that collage becomes the stories of my life, which is why this show is important. We talk about our drunk moments and our idiocy, but for me, that wasn't even just drunk moments. That was my entire life for almost 10 years right right just a weird um jackson pollock of human experience if you can take my metaphor right just a spattering and, 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 a, and a 
a mess of color and sound and and you know things like that but uh anyhow when when we were talking in, in the bios and stuff like that you, you said you wanted to tell a story to us about new years yeah yeah and and, and so i would like to i'd like to actually like to actually kick that one in so i'll tell you a really tiny story about a new year's of mine just a little one and then you can tell yours and i'll give you some notes on on how wild that can be so what one new year's we ended up so blacked out drunk that we were fishing for um beers using uh, little nooses on the ends of fishing lines off of the roof of my my porch Makes and sense. so we had the beers we had the beers down in the in the front in this little kiddie pool and it was really cold and we're trying to fish them out like noose them yeah and we must have like broken 30 or 40 beer bottles like in the alley next to the like in the in the driveway <laughs> to the ones that slipped out and fell yeah and we kept having this one guy like restock that we were just just determined that we could fish beers to the roof of the, the thing and we could definitely figure this out must have like i said must have broke 10 12 beers trying this idiotic scheme before you even successfully pulled one we never pulled one. Oh before shit! Someone finally mentioned we'd broken half a case of beer trying to do this, and we finally decided that we maybe we should just climb off the fucking roof and drink the beer instead of like breaking it all in the driveway. Right. Yeah. Uh, where's the fun in that? Too easy. Were any of you engineering students? It might have helped to have one of those guys on board. It might very well have, but after what we've been drinking the last couple of days, I don't think it would have helped. <laughs> <laughs> quick shout out uh we got will noy on the call as well will's another fantastic comedian who i'm sure has some crazy drunken disorderly stories himself so maybe we'll uh chat with us later and uh thanks for joining but uh we should probably get you on as a guest in future dropping too. some one-liners here those are pretty pretty great so far mm -hmm. wills are on right. wills awesome shout out to all wills. right so so let's get back on let's get back on track here new year's eve what what year was it? It would have been two thousand eight or nine. Second year of university for me. Two thousand eight or nine. Okay, yeah. so that's twelve years ago. Yeah. So I'm I'm at home visiting with my parents in Whitby for New Year's, and uh, all my high school buddies are ha are throwing a party, right? So yeah, I go. Would, I get shit faced. Yeah, I get wasted naturally, and you know, two thirty three o'clock, I decide to walk home, right? Suburbs Sorry, wait, one question, one question. Sorry. When you say you get wasted, what did you drink? I mean, how wasted did you get? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask, like, what was, the, what was the poison? Oh, man, I don't even... <laughs> my memory doesn't reach back that far for anything. So I couldn't <laughs> even remember what specifically I drank. That would be impressive to me. Well, I'm just so saying, I'm on, an on an average, when you think you're that blasted, what do you think you've usually had? Back then, like... Maybe three quarters of a two six of vodka, probably. I would say. Okay, so you, you drink like, like a ten year old girl. Is that? <laughs> look, we can't all be seven foot four hundred pounds, Bob. <laughs> You're right. We can drink like we are. Look, man. He's he's one third your size, Al. Give me I a was break. I was fucking twenty years old. Pound for pound, that's pretty good too. Okay, I I you know you know what. To be honest with you, I actually envy that because, frankly, that would be great. If I could, like, buy a Mickey and just get, like, just white girl wasted every time, that would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, it's pretty great. Now, it would be fantastic, 
but it would be the weirdest fucking thing in the world. You know yeah, I mean? you just Bob sipping on your first martini? Has like that third glass of wine, and suddenly Bob's like, oh, that's a fucking serious problem, you know what I mean? He'll be weirded out by that, I'm sure. Yeah. Three wine Bob is out on the dance floor, man. He's he's trashed with his third glass of Pinot Gris. I don't know so if I should new? have that. I don't know if I should have that fourth beer. I might have to drive in six hours. <laughs> <laughs> so at your New Year's juncture, had had the ball dropped? Had the year turned? At this yeah, point, yeah. This is. I don't really recall. Okay, I I recall. Uh, trying to impress and make my friends laugh by running full tilt in the park and diving like an airplane and like just skidding along the ground. Like I had no, I, it was, it, was it reached winter, that drunken right? level where winter. I didn't, what's that? It was winter, right? There was snow. It was yeah. winter. So you have some excuse. Well, from what I recall, it was, it was one of those dank, it was like wet and slushy and not like, Classic. there wasn't a layer of snow. It was just mud and it was just, <laughs> fucking brown Classic cake Toronto on New Year's weather. Yeah. And uh, not to jump the timeline, but I did wake up the next day noticing like an infinitely an infinitesimally small chip in my tooth, but enough that Ooh. like when I rang my when I rang my tongue over it, I was like, something's missing in my tooth. <laughs> Something feels weird. That was a good night. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure it was from that. So actually little the little chips, the little chips in your teeth can be so much worse than actually like if you lose part of a tooth, yeah, then you deal you know with I mean? it. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, you sort of like, you spend like weeks licking your fucking little, and you saw canker sores and shit. I know it's brutal. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I couldn't stop touching it and like fiddling with it. It was, anyways. So that that happens. Swan dive, you're swan diving in the slush. Yeah, you're swan diving in the slush. You know yeah. what I mean? Like uh, finally, I call those proving, reminders. That human, proving that human flight. Is, is essentially useless and you basically just eat a lot of mud and maybe chip your teeth. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> pick it up from there. I couldn't fly, I couldn't fly, but I could land really gracefully. <laughs> At least I had that going for me. So, um, so my friends and I, we split. I decided to go home. It's like 2.30, 3 o'clock. And uh, I got to preface this by saying in my neighborhood, in this particular neighborhood of Whitby, the the subdivisions the areas some of the roads are designed the same way like the houses are all uh built in the same structure the same form even like the interior is structured the exact same like copy blueprints right yeah so i live on a crescent there's another crescent right beside and there's a family that lives on the same corner of their crescent as mine like we're familiar with each other i go to high school with uh with the kids let's call them the Smith family. So, and I've been in their house and it's uncanny, like their, their interior, everything, the structure, the exterior, minus some details, their house is pretty much exactly the same as mine. You, they were moving, they were moving ready and you guys just moved in, didn't change a thing. The yeah. main difference is the family and the pictures on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they're yeah. the same. They're like the stock photos of the yeah exactly yeah, I, live Maybe. In a, I live in a subdivision right now and that's exactly true my neighbors on either side they're like they're semi-mirror images all the built all the rooms are in the same places and all the angles are the same so yeah 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 so so on this particular night i take an early right i turn too soon and i go down the wrong street i go down theirs and i approach this house and i'm too wasted to recognize the subtle differences 
and it's three in the morning. I'm punching in the keypad on the garage and it's not working. So I'm like, fuck, my parents must have changed the code while I was out. It's not working. So yeah, right? Naturally. So I go around the side and once again, subtle differences. Like the 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 fence to the backyard is behind the side door at my place. This time it was in their backyard. So I don't even fucking notice this when I'm climbing the fence to be like, my parents fucking moved the fence on me now, dude. What the fuck are they doing? None of this is occurring to me. And I'm slamming on that door, ringing the doorbell. I'm going ape shit because at this point it's three in the morning, January 1st. I'm frozen. I'm exhausted. I'm hammered. I just want my bed and I don't care. I'll suffer the consequences tomorrow. My parents can give me as much shit as they want. I just want in. So I'm, I'm making, I'm causing a fucking ruckus. I'm slamming on the door for 10 minutes. Nobody's answering. I hop the fence again, motherfucking fence that they moved. I go to the front door and now I'm slamming on that and I'm yelling. I'm like, let me in, let me in. And so finally, I, I vaguely remember exasperatedly walking to like the, the, the edge of the driveway and like collapsing, just sitting down. Like, ah, <laughs> oh, it looks like I'm sleeping here tonight. This is your, this is your platoon moment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shucks. And, and then I hear the door at the front door open and I turn and they sent like, the youngest son, like the middle child out with a, with a little slugger baseball bat. And he tepidly like tiptoes out with his bat. And there's this moment where he spots me and he's like, Al? So like, and in that moment I realized I had the wrong fucking house. So I'm like, oh, sorry, wrong house, I'm going home. And then just Forrest Gump like just turned. and was like, I'm gonna go now. And just walked home. And their whole family was standing there in the doorway just freaking out naturally like of course because some lunatic is screaming and slamming on all their windows and doors i love the fact they sent out the sacrificial son though they're like all right this one here he doesn't he doesn't have many prospects so give him the mini bat and send him out to confront the lunatic yeah (laughs) totally that image is is blazed into my head because even even drunk me was like isn't he the youngest one? <laughs> Why isn't the dad stepping out? And it's interesting too, like uh, obviously when you're trying to get in and, and whatever you were saying or whatever you were calling through the window or the door was, was not very coherent. Like at, you picture everyone at 3 a.m. on a New Year's, especially you, like it was probably like, yeah. Yeah. Like you're probably singing some of it, like open the door, open the fucking door, yeah. open the door. <laughs> like just it was probably the most belligerent shit you were saying too. Sorry, yeah. poor family. Shout out to uh Will Noy calling out that the son was probably named Skylar and just to send him out because that's what they call their kids because he's expendable. That's right, because he's expendable. Yeah. Now it's funny, I I I thought I had a similar experience, although the problem is when a door doesn't open for me with the keys, I usually just open the door with like my shoulder or a boot. And that has led the door, to the door doesn't like become a door anymore. It, right. it becomes a jar. Bulls don't. Now, luckily, luckily I only kicked my own front door twice. Wow. Uh, no, my dad told me though. He taught me how to hang a door, and he was like, "If you if you kick it, you you have to rehang it." 
So okay, that's fair. That is, you fair. know, that's really reasonable. But like for, we're carpenters, we're carpenters, we're carpenters and contractors, right? I came home just obliterated. I couldn't, I, you know, you're taking the key and you're going. You just kind of stab in the door randomly with the key because it's dark. You can't find. And you think you find lock with this hand. You're like, yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah. And the key just goes somewhere <laughs> yeah, else yeah, completely. Yeah. You know. So finally, I'm just like, after five or six attempts like that, you just step back and, boom, doors open and it's like I'm done with this, right? And then you sort of collapse in the hallway like. Uh, so re real quick poll. Uh, obviously, Al has done it. Bob has done it. I have done it. Trevor, have you done that as well, where you thought you were somewhere, but you weren't where you were supposed to be? Uh, oh, yeah. Every day of my life. <laughs> Audience? I used to sleepwalk. I used to sleepwalk, too. And, yeah, worst roommate ever. Giant, alcoholic, drug addict who sleepwalks. So, like, you know... My buddy Scott, if he was right, I could tell you stories about me pissing down the stairway and trying to flush the windowsill. Like, well, totally asleep, 100% unconscious, right? And, yeah. Mm. Al, what was the Ooh. aftermath? So, uh, was, was there consequences? Did, was there a knock yeah, on the door? That, oh. No. I mean, the, the family handled it pretty well. They, like, they would roast me whenever I, I saw them. Like, they would never let me live it down. But they're, like, really, they're cool. They were, they were graceful about it. They took it in stride, surprisingly. Like, they had every right was to it, be. Was it just, like, funny. a pawn off of, like, oh, there's another young hoodlum German you know, with his drunken disorderly? <laughs> yeah. I think to them it was, like, yeah, I bet he learned his lesson when he woke up the next day. So right. it was like, well, did you? that's Al, boys, oh, yeah. boys, kind of thing. Yeah. Did yeah, they tell, yeah. Did, so did your did your folks find out about it? Uh, I don't know. I yes. I should probably ask. Yes, the answer is so? yes. They did. Well, if like one cul-de-sac over, some family, friends, kids, and shit like had to come up with a wiffle bat in the middle of the night because you're drunken ass at a small town like Whitby, the answer is yes. Yeah. Someone told the cashier at the fucking Walmart, and that means everybody in town fucking knows, and that's the end of that, for sure. I, you know what? I, I will follow up with my dad, and I'll get back to you guys. Because my dad works with their dad, too. They're, they work at the same and of hospital. course he knows! What do you mean? Of course he knows! Ah, I rest my case. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Honestly, I, man, I, I, knowing that family, I feel like they would have kept it a secret. They would have been like, he was, he was, he embarrassed himself enough. I'm sure he's learned his lesson. I feel like, you know, they were pretty chill about the whole thing. I think they probably got off lucky. You could have escalated that. You could have been like, oh, yeah, you're not going to let me in? I'm going to take a dump on your porch. <laughs> Which I have done. <laughs> uh, twice. You, you used to twice. do that. <laughs> tell, tell, tell that story after. Okay, yeah. I want to shout out. Will, Will Noy in the comments said he's done it. Wrong room at the girlfriend's house. I assume you maybe went into the wrong girl's room. That's awful. Uh, there's an audience question it? from Sheps. Uh, he says, question for Big Bob. Do you still drink or smoke weed, et cetera? Uh, okay, just, um, I guess I have the screen at the moment. So the answer is no, of course not. That might be morally questionable. And I don't do morally questionable things. There you have it. There's your answer. Uh, Al, Al mentioned yeah. that you used to have the, 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 the poop prank. 
Yeah. <laughs> there isn't a, a lot of detail to it. Honestly, one drunken night, I was headed home, and I had to take a shit, and it was really, like, one block away from home. It could have waited, but I couldn't stop giggling to myself about the idea of somebody opening their front door and seeing a giant turd on their doorstep. So I just picked a house at random and I took a shit <laughs> on their doorstep. But my favorite part is like maybe a year later, I was drunk and walking that same path and I had to shit again. And I was like, you know what? Just for old time's sake. And I did it again on that same doorstep just because I thought the idea of them opening the door a year later and being like, again, again. I just, to right. me, is fucking hilarious. And like, Maureen, you know, it happened the again. The question that we all ask is, uh, is why. And of course, the reason being random is the best. Yeah. I like, <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. Yeah. I like, no, I like, I like the subtle chaos in that. I like yeah. the fact that it's a year, like maybe not to the day, but it's close oh, yeah. enough. If the guy's going to have a conspiracy theory, like, is this a cult thing? Like, <laughs> what, who are these porch shitters? Why? Why? It was a year right. ago, you know, like, I like that. It's, it's subtle. So, yeah. So, so I have the exact, I have a story. It's funny. It's not even about me. It's related to me because it was a woman that I was seeing. But it's it's like the going to the wrong address story, except in reverse. Instead of thinking you're at someone's home, someone, someone's home, being at someone else's house, it's thinking you're at home and being somewhere that is not home at all. Yeah. So I was dating this broad and, you know, I had a drinking problem and I had a drug problem. But um, she she had like a drinking problem. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe that. I mean, just like all the way a drinking problem. And I should have kind of guessed that this was a relationship that was not going to go anywhere good. You know, we met at one of the the fetish rave parties after a, a night at like Savage Garden, right? Like back in the the era when goth clubs were still cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> any rate. I was working at a, a late night sort of rave spot and she found out I was working there by texting me. And, you know, it's amazing how sometimes the most alcoholic people can seem perfectly normal mm. in like a text message or a really quick phone call, you know? Yeah. But you get that two minute phone call and it's like, Oh, Hey babe, where are you? What's going on? Okay. I'll meet you there. And you think everything's fine. But somehow between that phone call and their arrival, they have just gone full Tasmanian devil, like just absolutely out of the fucking creek. <laughs> All right. Yeah, like they're like they're like one, one step away from getting called off to the drunk tank when they meet you. You're like, what? Oh uh, man, this was one of those situations. There was so much worse. She shows up and I'm not working the front door. I was working in the upstairs doing pat downs, and this guy goes, I hear, I hear my buddy downstairs going, No, you can't come in. No, I don't know what. You, what is that in your hand? No, you can't come in. And then I hear her voice, and I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, no. So I come down the stairs, and there's there's my buddy. He's like, has a hand out. Like, no, no. And she's like, where's, I want to see Bob, Bob. I'm like, oh, I, I, got, I got this, bro. I got this. So I step outside. She's holding a shampoo bottle, and it's full of wine. Oh. The problem is, I don't know if you ever rinsed out a shampoo bottle, especially if you're a poor guy. You probably have rinsed it out and used it again and again because there's still a little bit enough residue in there hey. to like can't put your head yeah, yeah like a good two yeah. or three rinses there yeah 
Well, this seems like one of those things where she wanted to smuggle wine somewhere, so she grabbed a shampoo bottle out of the recycling bin and just filled it with wine. Oh, my God. It had fucking bubbles in it. (laughs) It was, oh, man, it was like, it was, was I don't know know what brand of wine it was. It was like peanut (laughs) Marigio to head and shoulders. Like, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was savage. That's exactly what it was. It was savage. So, she's so drunk. I let her in, and I'm like, look, I'm standing at the top of the stairs. I told my buddy, I'm like, look, there's no harm she can get in. It's late night. It's an after-hours thing. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Everyone else here is fucked, too. It'll be fine. I'll, I'll deal with it somehow. Like, whatever. That was pure hubris, by the way. There's no, nothing I could have done that was just like, I was like, yeah, I'm the man. I got this. I'm the man. The man can do this. Well, the man could not do shit. I got her upstairs. She's standing in the hall with me. She starts to believe that we're at home at her place and she's laying on this like chair and i'm like okay you're like on the chair and she's like i want snacks from the fridge and i'm like well there is no fridge like we're at this like rave spot in the middle of the night there's no fridge go on and give me snacks and she's like getting angry and, and i'm like dude seriously there's just no snacks i can't i can't do this she gets angry she's like I guess you don't love me. You don't want to marry me. Now, there was never any, like, talk of love or marriage. It was like, this was a purely liquor-based sexual relationship. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this is scary now. You're freaking me out with your shampoo, wine, and your freaky snacks, and the no marriage. And <laughs> fuck this shit. So I called the only number I could. Now, her dad, to, to preface things, he looks like Santa Claus. He's a short little dude. He's... he's fat and he's got this huge white beard and he's like a jovial happy guy and i really regretted having to call him being like your daughter is like flipper the dolphin fucking drunk like (laughs) gone (laughs) and you have to come and pick her up with this like shitty rave jam in the middle of a warehouse district downtown okay you got to do this because i can't I can't. I have to work, and she's screaming at me about snacks and how I'm not going to marry her and all this shit. Like, she's lost her mind now. So, eventually, she he, Santa Claus shows up and picks up his daughter, and they leave. <laughs> Just in time for my boss to come walking over and be like, you know, we were actually all kind of enjoying watching you try and figure your way through that one. So, why'd you send her away? That was funny. And I'm like, man, fuck you guys. Like, they were all standing yeah. over there just, like, watching me being like, no, we're not at your house. I can't get you snacks, you know? <laughs> like, woman, like, squirting bubbles out of her wine glass, like, give me drinks. <laughs> like, oh, man. So, That's a great image. I, I love the idea. I love the logic behind uh, her if she, if she happens to get stopped at, at the entrance to a bar and somebody's like, is that alcohol? She'll be like, no, it's shampoo. Right. <laughs> just yeah, carrying this right. around. Duh. Right. The logic was, of course you can bring head and shoulders in here. I mean, there must be a public shower somewhere. Yeah. I, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just mind-boggling. Al, one thing you mentioned uh, earlier today when we were chatting that uh, you actually haven't had a drink in about a week, and that's you said that's the longest you've gone in recent memory. Yeah, it's been it's been a really long time since I've gone a week, and I and I'm I'm not proud to say that. I hope 
none of my family is watching. No, <laughs> well, they will. We're good. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, as a comic, it's, it's always available. And, you know, part-time I work at a bar too. So it's just, it's so easy to get your hands on. And sometimes you're paid in beer. Sometimes it's part of the tab. So like, it can, it can be hard to say no, especially when all it takes is one other comic to be like, Hey, I'm partying tonight. And it's, it's, it's hard that way. Plus, I mean, like, we also my, already covered the fact that you drink like a 10 year old girl. So <laughs> if, if you know, those four could, beers are your payment, then you're fucking done. So like, it's all over. I could polish a two six and be pretty good. I'm just saying I've, I've yeah, grown. Yeah, we've worked it up a little bit, but yeah, um, I, I was sympathizing when you were talking about just coming into Toronto. I mean, I grew up here, but I, I went away to school for a bit and then came back and I got a few accolades in school and then coming back, I kind of wanted to bring that momentum into Toronto. And um, it was obviously the same thing too, the pond size changed. And then I started working in a bar and like for the next like two or three years, it was more focused on that lifestyle than anything else and it was it got pretty severe um, yeah but yeah i see what you're saying but like I, I never got to the point where i was like where i was getting in my profession like uh like stand up like i i can't imagine it's like for you guys it's like it's just rampant yeah and and i mean for me it's never been an issue where it uh interferes with my work like i never mixed the two Except, you know, I'd get a little buzz before a show, but I was always still, you know, competent and I could still pull it off. So it was never enough of an issue for me to really stop and really take a hard look. Like it was always like, I should, I should slow down. I should slow down. This isn't healthy. I should slow down. But there was no inciting incident that made me want to be like, Jesus, this is way too much. Got to really hit the brakes. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's like when you tread the line too thinly. Yeah. I guess it's just, I mean, it's a a prevailing guilt thing for me where it's like, you know, the long-term consequences of this can't be good and I should really start considering that. And Marito, anyone who listens to episode 33 last week, Marito Lopez, he shared several stories where for him, it got to the point where it was fucking up big opportunities he missed gigs. He was at a com- big comedy festival and ended up getting drunk and tried to fight one of the organizers, like just like out of control type stuff. And that's led to him going through rehab and realizing that for him, it just doesn't mix. Like once he's, he's a guy where once he stops or once he starts, he basically doesn't stop. And that means like even the next day and the next, like when he drinks, it turns into a bender and it turns into a month later, he's in a drunk tank every weekend sort of thing. So yeah. But that's, well, never- that's the thing. And that's the thing, right? If, 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 it, if it starts to become one of those um, negative lifestyle instruments that's driving you down and not picking you up and it's not part of your social life and it's not part of your fun, it's just a crutch that's either hurting you or worse yet, ruining you. And a lot of people, man, get ruined fast by the simple misunderstanding that a little bit of inhibition is actually okay. Yeah. Like not not wanting to go all the way crazy all the time is probably a good thing. You know? Yeah. The rest is, is, is brain damage of some kind. Yeah. Yeah, Will Noya just said, you stop using, you start abusing. 
that's true, but it's worse than that. It's worse than that. You can start abusing and learn how to use. The difference is, the difference is, what is it doing to your life? And do you know the difference? Can you find that place? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have another, another guest comment here said, only drinking bars uh, to get out and be social. Well, you know, I, I can't say that's true. But I can tell you this, the, the social element of it is definitely what, one of the reasons I got into it. Yeah. And yeah, sure, going to bars has become a problem for a lot of people because it takes you away from your normal social activities. And also, I'll say this before and I'll say it again. The, the meat market, that is the clubs and bar scene, is one of the worst places to meet people if you actually want to have relationships with them. Meet people outside that and bring them to a bar, that's fine. Meeting people in bars is usually not the road to friendship. And that's one of the things people who work in bars have to really struggle with. Mm. Who we work with, some of them can be our friends, and some of them simply cannot be our friends. And you have to, it's very difficult because some bar people are just there for the ride. They're just there for the drinks. They're just there for the madness. Well, and you can be whoever you want in, in a bar setting. Like, yeah, like Will Noyce says, you meet them at their fakest. Like, you can pr project whatever version of yourself you want to be. And, like, it's allowed. Like, people are like, hey, go crazy. Like, you know, if you want to be loud, go to a bar. So it's like, be this alter ego of yourself. Not to mention, most times, it's two adults having a drunken conversation with their drunken alter egos and the next day neither one of them have a fucking clue what they talked about or what they did so it's just like this weird yeah. but that's why you gotta creation. keep you gotta keep the keep it rolling so you gotta go back the next time and pick it up again right yeah well, that's the problem with that's the problem with lack of intellectual content if you have a conversation drunk that you wouldn't have sober it's probably because you're not very interesting <laughs> oh wow throwing a gauntlet down huh sorry it's true if you, can, if you can only talk about things that you think makes you uh cool or acceptable when you're drinking then you're probably not very interesting right, right. or very insecure about, about the things think about those guys yeah sure sure but think about those guys that tell that stupid fucking story you know the one that it just makes you think they're kind of a creep and sort of a jerk and yeah. that's their go-to I'm drunk guy talk every time. Those are not very interesting people. Yeah. And the only time they have those conversations is when they're drunk. Because when they're sober, they have nothing to say. They're not very interesting. You know? True. So I think, it, I think a lot of intellectuals and troubled artists and creative people um, communicate better generally, not just when they're drinking. So it becomes one of those situations where especially – it's one of the tropes so, you know artists creative people are always the biggest drunks right they're always the alcoholics they're always the the downtrodden drug addicts the the social outcasts because they can communicate even wasted better than most average folk can communicate sober i would agree to a point i would say that a lot of artists struggle i i would say that in some ways a lot of artists struggle with that communication and they have a lot to say but it's hard to confront it within themselves there there must be a lot of there might be a lot of things that they're running from that they're insecure about and alcohol is a way of disconnecting from that and numbing those emotions that they're so afraid of so that they can push past it and and speak without being so self-conscious about it or worrying what other people are going to think 
no amount of alcohol is ever going to take away what other people think. Yeah, so, but but no, that no, alcohol will make is, you not worry as much. What I'm saying is your inhibitions are what your concern should be. Yeah. Not not how much you drink. It's it's why do you care what other people think? Yeah. I, I've always said this, like I've always said this, to have to have emotional maturity when it comes to substance abuse, period, is to have emotional maturity when it comes to making those decisions about how you want to express yourself in general. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be a slobbering drunken mess? Well, that's fine. I've been that for years and it seems to work out okay for me. But for some people, that's an excuse for an underlying fear or a, a, a disturbance of some other kind. You know, and I think I think it's important to recognize if you're using something because you can't do it any other way, or you're using something because it's just comfortable, that's okay. If it's comfortable, but you can move forward or move beyond, then then why not? Humans enjoy comfort. Sit on the comfy couch, have a few drinks before you put a show on if it makes you relax. But if it makes you stress later, oh, I think I drank too much and then I did the show and now I'm stressed about the drinking too. You know what I mean? It's a compounding issue, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're worried about the, the, the ability to express yourself, then think about why it is that you're nervous of expression. Yeah. Well, the alcohol is obviously like a, a, a manifestation of a bigger problem. It's not the alcohol itself. It's how you're coping with something that's very real to you. Sure. And that's, that's, true, of, that's true of any kind of escapism, mm-hmm. you know? from too much online chat rooms to playing video games to drug use to um, I hate to use nihilistic cult religions, but a lot of those are like that too. You take yourself and you put your, you put your faith in something in order to hope that you won't have to be you in the morning. And the problem is you wake up every day and have to look at that fucking face in the mirror again. And if you can't find a way to reconcile that, then your life's going to be miserable. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I've, yeah, I've spent a lot of time being very yeah. miserable and I'm doing the best I can not to be. And I actually don't think that liquor or drugs really helps with me not being miserable. It's just become such a particular part of my social epitome that I don't know what, or epitome that I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how to separate the two to some extent. So that's my struggle anyway. And working as a bouncer, working in bars and doing things like this. I mean, sitting at home, I don't drink like I do when I'm working. When I'm in bars, it's like, you know, this constant free-for-all of, of hedonism. But uh, it's very different in your, in your personal life, you know. And that dichotomy, that, that separation of one from the other can be very difficult to achieve. Mm-hmm. So, Al, you mentioned, um, you mentioned not really having, like, a, a massive career issue because of it. Has there been any... Uh, situations or things that you've gotten that have happened where you're like, Oh fuck, this is like, this is a, like, this was a problem or close calls or anything like the biggest being like you get a DUI or, or you get in a big fight or you lose a gig from it or something like that. But have you had situations? No, but like a small accumulation, a little peppering of, of little annoyances, you know what I mean? We're all like, you know, I'll bond with somebody and then the next day, have blank spots on what we talked about and so i'll think back and be like that was a good time i like this person but fuck man i don't really remember exactly what it was we talked about and i would rather build memories with a new friend than just have a fleeting good time you know what i mean 
And like little things like drinking alone. I know that's a big red flag. I enjoy, I, I feel like I enjoy my own company more when I'm drinking because it, it shuts up all those angry voices that are constantly hating on myself. Like I do have a self-loathing issue. So it helps shut that shit up and let me, and, and it's, it's a numbing agent. I know it is what it is, but it works for that reason. And you're generally a, like, you're a happy drunk, you're a party, like you're singing and dancing and yeah. running wild in the streets and hopping on stage. It, it's not like you drink and go dark. You, you maybe drink to escape darkness. Is that a better way to put it? Maybe. Absolutely. hundred percent. Like well, we've talked about it many times on this, on this show too, where it's like this culture supports um, that in a way where like, the, you know, it, they allow so many establishments encourage alcohol and like pay you in alcohol and everybody just kind of bats an eye it doesn't really bat an eye just like anything that, that is alcohol related isn't really a big deal or whatever so if you don't have a big like incident or a big thing then you're right a lot of little it takes a lot of little like if you said little things to pepper up and like build up some kind of the same yeah. way I haven't had like a, a massive incident but like just a couple milestones along the way yeah. Trev's, Which, Trev's classic for uh Trev's classic for every every few months He'll uh, he'll have like a scar on his eye or a scratch on his nose where he took a tumble <laughs> and then has to piece it together the next day. Or it's like or it's like it's like like an arm thing. Like I got drunk playing softball and I made an immaculate catch, but like busted my arm or something. You know? Yeah, yeah. He made the immaculate catch. In other words, the ball flew over his head and he reached for it further than his arm was long, and is now like I don't know why my shoulder doesn't work. I wish I was thirteen feet tall. The uh, <laughs> I came to a podcast. I saw you that uh, like a day after. No, that night. I saw you that night. Somewhere in one of our back catalog, this whole thing is documented. Yes. Um, oh, shit. So the internet community out there, don't let him get away with his vicious lies. Just look at our back catalog and you can see exactly what <laughs> I'm talking about. Uh, need, you guys need a fact checker, a resident fact checker for your podcast. Oh, Sheps. please God, no. Sheps Never. on uh on chat uh just said this coronavirus threw my drinking less progress out the window and i think that's that's happened for some people where all of a sudden you're at home what are you going to do and and the lcbo is deemed essential so you're at home drinking um but you don't have the social uh it's not like you're going to bars but the interesting thing about that is booze and and drinking is an immunosuppressant so it's kind of a weird paradox of staying at home drinking right now is going to lower your immunity making you more susceptible to this stuff um, yeah but if you're but again if you're just sitting at home drinking alone right. at home, yeah, you're, you're more susceptible to like the allergies from your cat but since that's all there is around you you're fine right mm. right let's not fear monger here no, no, I don't mean that to fear monger, but it is, a, it is an interesting paradox. But the other paradox is if, if you're at home and you're fearful and worrying and, you're, and because of that, you're in fight or flight mode, your cortisol and your fight or flight uh, mechanism, your body are going, that also lowers your immunity. So then if you're drinking, if you're drinking to get rid of fear and anxiety, then you're, 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 that's helpful. But then now you have like, so it's just like... It, it, mm -hmm it's like a band-aid that's not really working. So it's every, a lot of people are in a weird spot right now trying to figure this all out. I'm not saying one way or the other's uh, the, the right way, but it's just it's different for everyone. Everyone's trying to figure it out. Yeah. Well, I think the way to solve this one 
and if anyone's watching our Instagram, they'll know this because I do it all the time is wandering around drinking in public places. I, I know it's technically legal and yada, yada, but it's very entertaining to like take a walk down the jogging trail with like a 50 of whiskey in one hand, you know, and watching people like healthily jog by while you're like, you're like, how's it going? And they ask what's up and like, well, I don't want to drink alone. Cause that'd be weird. So can I like walk along with you jog and just get hosed? Is that going to work? You know, <laughs> Shep's just said, I've been drinking outside with neighbors standing six feet apart. <laughs> I, I'm touched by those videos. I like that. I like that people are still making it work. You know, they're still playing it safe, which is so important, but like I, it makes, it makes me happy to see that people are still finding ways to connect, you know? <laughs> I feel like beer pong and flip cup are never coming back after this. Nobody's nobody's you know dipping fingers into a beer pong glass and yeah. My little brother, my little brother, we picked him up. He came home from uh, universities at uh, he's out of Brock. Anyway, he came home for a little while. We went and played me and him. Me and him, my little sister, went out and played uh, frisbee golf. Right, because it's just the three of us. We're cohabitating anyway. And you know how frisbee golf works. You pick something in the distance, like, okay, that tree over there, that's like a, I don't know, let's say a fucking par three. So, you know, three throws to the tree. And if you hit the tree in three, then you're par, and you score from there, right? And you just walk along. I figure that's a pretty great exception to the average rule, because you're not supposed to sit or stand anywhere. So you don't. You keep walking like golf, mm -hmm. right? You only play frisbee golf either if you have your own frisbee because you need your own golf balls your own cues right or if you're family or like whoever you're cohabitating with you can share a frisbee yeah no one's gonna know right and then you just again you just walk and play frisbee golf it's a fun way to divert from just to i don't know walking which is kind of boring it's or you boring. just you do the safe thing. You stay home and binge watch and binge listen to the last 33 episodes of 39 Drunken Disorderlies on YouTube and all podcast platforms. And follow us on Instagram at 39DDShow. Well yeah. done, Lars. Nailed it. Yeah, that Seamless. was <laughs> Seamless. Jesus Christ. It's like, it's, like, it's, like you've, it's like you've profiteered yourself before. We've done this. Yes. Uh, that was amazing. We're coming up on an hour. Do you want to open it up to any guests, uh, questions, Can I throw uh, something in real quick? I know it's yeah. two topics ago. We were talking about drunken injuries, but I'll never forget this. Uh, my roommate in university came home with a fucking boot mark on half his face, and it was there for three days. Like a bouncer stomped on his head so hard that he had a boot mark on his head for three days. You know, it's funny. I got a <laughs> boot mark off. on my face for a day and a half. But it wasn't from girl kick, getting kicked in the face by a bouncer. It was actually a girl in a mosh pit was crowd surfing. And she came up over the top and came down boots first as I was standing up out of my chair. And, yeah, totally got a size, like, six girl's boot on the side of the face, like, hard enough to leave, like, the tread. Like, yeah, yeah. On your fucking temple, you know? Yeah. My, my roommate had Timberland on his engraved <laughs> in his fucking temple yeah. for three days. That's I, awesome. I also have a boot story, uh, and this is in London. I was in London with a buddy, uh, this is a long time ago, 10 years, uh, and I was literally, he, he got asked to leave Barney's because he was falling asleep at the bar, like he was passing out, and it was around quarter two. 
I was kind of chatting up with a, with a couple ladies, so I didn't want to leave. So I'm like, you go wait outside or I'll meet you at the poutine shack and, and catch up. So two rolls around, I leave, can't find him. I walk home. Then I get a phone call from him. He's clearly shit faced. I'm trying to figure out, I'm like, where are you, man? Uh, and he's like, and then I hear, I hear over the phone, I hear him be like, what? I wasn't talking to you. And then I hear, what the fuck did you say to me, motherfucker? And I hear, uh, I don't know, man. And I hear him start to get in a fight and then the phone <laughs> drops. So I'm like, and then this is a different Al. I'm like, Al, 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 are you there? I like, I hear him start this confrontation and then phone goes blank and I'm like, oh fuck, but I can't go. It's not like I'm gonna go looking for him in downtown London. I'm just, so I wait for him. About half an hour later, he walks down the sidewalk and he's like head, like clearly like he's been in a fight, head down, kind of moping down the sidewalk. And he gets to the porch and when he turns around, he had a big boot mark in the middle of his back, like he had been, he had been kicked in the back oh, and or stomped on. And I listened to it on the phone while saying like, oh, where are you? Tell me, would you see the cross streets? Where are you? What are you in front of? You don't get the shit beat out of him. Oh man, him narrating the fight from feet away. Right, right. Stop kicking my back, my back. You're kicking my back. I got, a treadmark. I got a treadmark off of a small import that way once. Say again? I got, a, I got a treadmark off of a small import once, basically that way. I got quasi run over, and it just kind of parked on me. Oh, God. Yeah. He, made it, he rolled off. Like, he was in, like, he was like, it's like but I was like, yeah, it was. What part of your body? Things. Pardon? What part of your body? Like, what did he run over? my shoulder and back oh my god jesus it wasn't it wasn't actually all that bad like he didn't go up all the way on top just kind of like rolled on and rolled off you know but it did was he enough not, that i was like pinned under the car for a bit yeah did he not Probably. spot the seven foot 400 pound man <laughs> no i was, fighting, I was fighting with i was fighting with some dudes and we sort of fell into the street oh uh, yeah oh, and my ex-wife almost ran me over with her mom's mercedes because i was like too drunk at a bar one time so yeah there's all that jesus uh, if you if you've got audience questions uh from anyone listening or watching audience questions feel free to unmute yourself and uh i can also bring you on video too if you've got a question for giant bob in general or if you've got a question for uh, our guest al val today feel free this is the audience time or if you want to pipe in if you've got your own boot story where you've been booted in the head oh trev's showing uh, <laughs> nipple now too things are happening Things are happening on this show. Look at that. Speaking of college, uh, hey, my roommate, uh, Steve, you know Steve. Steve yeah. tells me that this is probably the funniest moment he's ever seen me have. But once at a party, it was a house party, and I just felt hungry, and I felt like fucking making my friends laugh. So I found a box of corn pops, and I just started digging in, right, just shoveling my face. <laughs> and one of the homeowners walks into the kitchen, and he's like, yo are those yours and i just started barking at him i just started going arr, 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 with like a mouthful of corn pops they're flying in his face corn pops are flying out of the box and the guy was just like uh, okay <laughs> like walked away i totally diffused the situation by barking at a man until he backed down great you can't argue with crazy yeah school of dmx i call it <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I, w- I would have made you eat the entire box. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have been like, all right there, Fido. Here's your, Here's your fucking corn pops, huh? Oh, yeah. I was a fucking menace. We, uh, it looks like uh, we haven't had any, uh, we've had people asking questions through chat. We haven't had people, any, uh, anyone fire up a question. But I'm going to bring Jim Tooby. Assuming you're decent, Jim, I want to bring you on so that we can all wish you a happy birthday. Since yeah, happened. let's bring Jim on. Technically midnight. I'm going to ask Jim. I'm unmuting him. Maybe he's not allowing me to. Oh, there he is. Is he here? Jim, are you with us? Hey, Tubes. We don't see you yet. Do you want to see us? Do, you, do we want to see you? Do you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. Mr. 50. Mr. Half a Millennia. There he is. I'm blind! <laughs> Happy birthday, Jim. Thank you. Yeah, tomorrow, so. Oh, look at these. He's got the bone hat on and everything. Jim, you're so turning 50 on, you 50, yeah. Big five zero. Nice. And you're uh, only able to celebrate you and your mom. Is that right? That's, uh, yeah. That's pretty much sucky part of it. So there you go. Well, we'll hold one. Uh, when we're all out of this, we'll have a, we'll, we'll catch up on all the birthdays. We'll have just a COVID <laughs> birthday night. If you missed your birthday due to COVID-19, then we'll have one joint party. Yeah, so we'll rent uh, one of those um, one of those ships out there on the uh, on the lake there and just party on, eh? Yeah, we'll rent one. Yeah, of the yeah, one of the one of the, one of the party boats. Exactly, oh, exactly. The, the the syphilis sailors. Syphilis sailors. <laughs> oh, geez, miss seeing you guys in person, man. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, good it's good having you back on, Jimbo. You don't look a day well, over forty-two. Up. Even though Liza is 42, but she doesn't look a day over 32, even though I'm 32, but I don't look a day over 27. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> what was that? Someone have a question? No, it was a great show tonight, guys. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you for dude. Us. I like your style. That's badass, dude. Oh, Jim's got, Jim's got way too many badass steins, I guarantee you, this man. He's just, he's just so bad Stein all the way. Yeah, that thing looks bottomless. Is that, uh, is that shampoo wine you're uh, drinking there, Bob? Uh, yes, it is, actually. It's, it's, it's chamois de head and shoulder, huh? Yeah. If I shake it just right, you might be able to see the bubble, huh? <laughs> Very French. Nice. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it, it was, it was, it was brewed regionally by, you know, my uh, ex-girlfriend who put it into the bottle for me. It was perfect. There you go. Yeah, if any of our listeners can come up with some great uh, uh, log lines that combine wine and shampoo, like maybe it's Chardonnay. I don't know. Come up with something. <laughs> that was actually that was pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah. I actually like that. I actually like All that. Right. That's the leader right now. Get something better than that. Oh, the head and shoulders one, right? Can you believe? Can you believe it's Pinot Grigio? <laughs> Yeah, except this this one it doesn't say no tears on the bottle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we should uh, two in maybe... one, two in one, two in one. <laughs> bubbles, bubbles, and hangover. Right. <laughs> maybe Bob, we should uh, bring this ship back to back to port here and call it a night. Uh, this has been great having you. Check out Al Val Comedy on Instagram and in the show notes, we'll link up everything for you, Al. Thanks for uh, sharing those stories. I feel like 
we could easily have you on again because we only scratched the surface of some of yeah. the crazy stories. Yeah, yeah we I could do part tales. two with Val, Val for sure. sure. No, I mean, absolutely. Can I plug absolutely. one thing? Thanks to all you guys yeah. who participated with us here live in the studio in our in our in our digital format. I wanted to thank my co-host uh, uh, Trevor Lars. I want to thank our guest Al. I want to thank all the guys who just sort of stopped in and had a view voice here. Uh, the chat is fantastic, adding that to our content. So much fun. Thank you for participating. We absolutely love that. Also, remember, guys, as Lars said, check us out on all the favorite platforms where you download your, your podcast. Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. You know, we're basically everywhere. we got lots of episodes in Backcast for you. You can just check it out in our catalog. And we're going to be trying to bring these episodes to you every Monday about the same kind of time. So please, follow me and small of us here at 39DD and whatnot. Tips to you, bottoms up. Remember, Stay safe, stay separate. We love you. Welcome to the pandemic. All right, survive yourselves. Final plug, Al. I know you wanted to. Uh, you wanted to share something. I don't know if it's fair now after Bob just did the outro for me to be like one more thing. <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, in March, I taped for CBC Gem, their their streaming service. I taped an episode for a New Wave of Stand Up. It's a new series that's coming out. I don't know what the timeline is, but it should be within cool. the next couple months. So while you're quarantining. Just keep an eye out for CBC Gem if you have that new wave of stand-up. I'm on one of those episodes, and it's great. It's awesome. And I can absolutely. Congratulations, man. Absolutely. 100%. We love to support our guests. So absolutely, check that out. Check out Al on CBC and the new, new stand-up comedy routines you got there. It's going to be fantastic, I'm sure. Yeah, it was awesome. It was unreal. So I can't wait for people to see it. And always remember, if you wake up one morning and someone is taking a shit on your porch, it was probably Al Val. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So especially, up, especially if it happens again. Yeah. If I wake up and I find there's shit on my front porch, I'm coming after you. Just keep that. Okay? I'll be halfway to Mexico, man. You will never find me. I think my arm is about that long. All right, bon nuit. Yeah.